Tappers, what's up? It is the Thursday edition of the Daily Tap. Hope everybody is doing well. We're getting closer to the weekend. We should have Sweet 16s on tonight. We don't. It's not till Saturday. That is rough, but we will endure. We got a good show today. We are going to do the Murph Draft Manifesto. We're going to talk running backs, and then we will get into Big Dog coming back, uh, what that means for the Packer tight end position. Also, we will talk about the Bucks and the Celtics. Really not more about the game. I want to talk about playoff opponents and where the Bucks stand right now and who their potential playoff opponents can be and what that might look like for Milwaukee down the road as we get closer and closer to the playoffs. Tapping a keg tomorrow. Mitch and I will be talking about the trade deadline and how it affects the Bucks. Try to have that up maybe a little earlier than usual, um, Thursday night, so you guys can kind of enjoy it, ride out to it. Um, we'll post it again on Friday. But yeah, we'll try to try get that out a little earlier. But yes, let's waste no more time. Here is the running back position for the NFL Draft with Murph and I. Another edition of Building Murph's Draft Manifesto. We are talking running backs. I feel like this conversation would have been a lot different had we done this podcast a week ago. Yeah, we, Charlie and I, to bring you guys under the hood, we had always planned on doing these after free agency. We thought it would actually drag on a lot longer, but dominoes fell quickly in that first week of free agency, probably because of the looming TV deal. You either saw people got big money early or took one-year deals like a Juju Smith-Schuster, or Aaron Jones re-signed to the Green Bay Packers, which... I had said goodbye to Aaron Jones. Oh, yeah. I, I had done my last night with him in bed, <laughs> and we had you know, decided to part our ways. So what Goody figured out is he's basically going to give Aaron Jones the $8 million franchise tag, which we could never sign him to because it would have put a cap hold on the cap, and we would have never been able to do anything. So Aaron Jones is only going to make $4 million, I believe, in 2021. He then will make around eight in 2022, and then he will not be a Green Bay Packer in 2023 <laughs> under his current contract of $16 million. Russ Ball's a genius, as always. Russ gets it done and figures it out. But So I had to rework my draft board. Yeah. You know, and what Charlie and I are going to do is we're going to highlight um, kind of our top five for the Packers because this is a Packers-centric podcast. And then we're also going to touch on guys we don't want to see in the NFC North, which the running back position is always weird. It's not yeah. like wide receivers and quarterbacks right. where they're not going to go that high. We're, we're not going to see a Leonard Fournette go – five overall, no. or Christian McCaffrey, and I don't think we're going to see that until we see some next freak again. The guy from Texas, I forget his name, uh, but Belage is something, he's an unbelievable player. Um, I don't know his name, I apologize. They're probably like, well, who the fuck is this guy? But yes, they're, they're going to go on the late first this year, and I think if Aaron Jones wasn't around, I would have probably been banging the drum for Travis Etienne. Now, I won't be anymore because we don't need him. Um, and, but I still think they're going to look at a running back because not only could they add a third guy, they need to kind of replace what Jamal Williams did or have a third guy in there. But do you? Because isn't that A.J. Dillon? Well, you're right. That's A.J. Dillon. What I meant to say is you just need that. They, they rotate they guys three in, dudes. in and out. They we run don't in three dudes. need Dexter Williams getting any touches anymore. He's precisely. A failed draft pick per, from Notre Dame. Precisely. Which is fine. He and, was a day three pick. And potentially look at a guy, and I'll talk about a variety of the, the options, that are Tyler Irvin-like, where it's like, hey, can we bring in a guy that can just be a weapon? 
And that's how Aaron Jones has been described. I think that's what you can try to get out of out of this draft. And there's a bunch of different guys like that. And the way I look at it is we're actually drafting Aaron Jones' replacement this year. Yeah. That's how I look at this. And that means it needs to be a day two or day three pick so he's on a four-year deal. Right. You need a home run hitter that may not be a bell cow. Aaron Jones has worked out to be a bell cow. But you need somebody that can catch passes out of the backfield. Because we're going to have A.J. Dillon for at least three more years as a day two pick. So you're going to need someone to replace the home run hitting, crazy speed, um, someone that can cut like Aaron Jones long term, which is going to be interesting. Not the deepest running back class at no, the end of the day. It's, it's a two, really not that exciting. Yeah, and we'll touch on that. It's a two running back class. But Chuck, we'll throw the baton over to you. Who are some running backs you would love to see the Packers zero in on? So I like Michael Carter out of North Carolina. Um, Dame Brugler called him a lesser version of Dalvin Cook. It's like, sign me up. Like, that's that's great. Um, Kenneth Gainwell is another guy that I like. Uh, undersized, but again, kind of fits into that Irvin route. Maybe late fourth round, you know, someone that could be available there. Those are those are my first two off, off the board on my, in my eyes. So Michael Carter reminds me a lot of Frank Gore as well. I think Dalvin Cook fits into that model. I'm a little worried about the North Carolina running back room and how him and Javante Williams fit into things. Now, Javante Williams will not be a Green Bay Packer. He's too big. He's A.J. Yeah. Dillon, uh, a lighter A.J. Dillon. Uh, I just get worried about what does that mean and where does he get on the field and will he go too high. I would put him, for me, in the same perspective as a Roundtree. Larry Roundtree yeah. from Missouri is. He's more of a bowling ball, Yeah. and I don't think the Packers need him overall. No, and I that's that's the hard part, I think, with this draft is there might not really be that Aaron Jones replacement. Like, when I was looking at guys, I was, like, I was having trouble, like, finding that guy who's a really good pass catcher who, like you said, can cut. Like, I like Puka Williams from Kansas. Puka Williams on my board. Yeah, I like Puka Williams. What a football school Kansas is. Well, here's the (laughs) thing, though. He doesn't have the tread as some of the other guys because, A, he opted out as the season was becoming a dumpster fire. And... He, you know, has not, maybe not had the full potential. So it's a guy you could maybe get a flyer because he played for Kansas and people aren't paying attention to the Kansases of the world when there's Clemson running backs and Alabama running backs out there. Is it crazy if Travis Etienne's available at the end of the second round for some reason? I mean, there you have to take him. <sighs> yeah, and I just think so. get ridiculed. Yeah. You just get crushed. Yep. But I do think as you look at the Packers running back room, Aaron Jones is going to catch way more passes than he even did last year because they're going to use A.J. Dillon maybe even more than they use Jamal Williams. Right. So a couple other running backs I want to highlight for the Packers specifically. I like Puka Williams a lot. He'll be a day three pick. I don't know how if Chubba Hubbard is around in day three. I have my list too. Yeah, he is a speedster from Canada. He had a lot of Heisman buzz uh, before the 2020 season started. COVID got in the way of that. OK State did not perform against big teams in the Big 12. He the also has had some knee stuff, so yeah, he's he, had some shaky matches. And so did Aaron Jones coming right. out of college. He had right. some knee stuff. He is a home run hitter and someone that has a lot of pedigree. He's a sprinter, I believe. I would love Chubba Hubbard. I mean, what a name, too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hearing Wayne Larrabee say, Chubba Hubbard, touchdown, would be awesome <laughs> someday. And I was going to fit this guy into the wide receiver section of um, this podcast series, but I'll hit on him here. Demetric Felton. Yep. He is someone like Antonio Gibson that played wide receiver in college but played running back as well. For those that don't know, Antonio Gibson was the best rookie running back in 2020 for the Washington football team. 
I think that's where you get into the Tyler Irvin yeah. conversation. Yeah. I think that's where we find someone that's not a dead fish and that teams actually have to respect the jet sweep. Yeah, that's a that's a complete weapon right there. And Felton was in the senior bowl playing in the slot. And yeah, he could be considered more of a wide receiver, but I think that's a type of player that the Packer fans could really sell themselves. The casuals are like, oh, this guy can do so much. Not only can he catch the jet sweeps, but he can also run wheel routes for Rodgers, and he has good hands. And I love that idea. I don't know if he's Aaron Jones' replacement, per your earlier comment, but I think Felton does have a... There's something to like about him, and there is definitely... He just adds to more weapons for Aaron Rodgers. Any interest? Want to put a taste on any of the uh, Louisiana Lafayette running backs? Did any of them scratch the surface? You're a guy that watches a lot of the Sun Belt, I feel like. <laughs> I do like the Fun Belt. I love gambling on the Fun Belt. Um, you know what? That offense didn't really do much, it, and that's tough. I think... So Aaron Jones obviously came from UTEP, and UTEP is not that exciting of a... or and they don't have a lot of talent in the Conference USA. So Elijah Mitchell's all right, but I, again, I looked at their pass-catching numbers, and they're just not there. And that's really what I, I was honing in on as I was doing my research, and I couldn't find that guy. I couldn't find that one guy where I'm like, wow, he catches a lot out of the backfield, and again, in his, has that sort of speed and quickness of Aaron Jones. I don't know if that Aaron Jones replacement exists, and that also could be why the Packers sold Aaron Jones to come back and said, look, we we really need you back and maybe press down a little harder because they looked at it and said, I don't know if that guy's there in this draft. They might be next year. Yeah, the Lafayette running backs, Trey Ragas and Elijah Mitchell, Mitchell I, I'm not too interested in overall. I'm not interested in Trey Sermon from Ohio State. No. He's a one-game hero no. in that Big Ten championship game. The last guy I would probably hit on is Javion Hawkins from Louisville. Yeah. He's small. 5'9", 182. Yes, he's Tyler Irvin. Yeah. He's somebody to hand the punt return duties off to and see if you can develop a piece into the offense. Other than that, in Puka Williams we hit on, and he's light too, I think this is a weak running back class, and you'll not yeah. see it taken very highly because, look, we just saw the Tampa Bay Buccaneers win the Super Bowl with someone they claimed off of waivers. Now, he was a former top five pick, mm-hmm. but running back is the most overrated position in the NFL. Right, and people keep bringing them back, and these running backs have finally realized that they've realized their worth. I know it sucks, because we all know these guys, we all play with them in fantasy, but they all have realized that they can't expect these Le'Veon Bell-like deals. Chris Carson just signed for a very friendly deal to Seattle, and I, I like Chris Carson a lot. And again, Aaron Great Jones. Great Mac dude. Yeah, again, Aaron Jones, another one that signed a reasonable deal I think all these guys are kind of, and Derrick Henry did the year before, right? And so I think that kind of weakens the class as well because there's not a lot of teams where it's like, we need to draft a running back. And so, yeah, if ETN, going back to your comment, if he goes to the second round, if ETN falls, you have to look at it. And I know this is hard for Packer fans. Sometimes the casuals have a hard time with this. It's a weapon. It's a guy that just could do a lot. He His return kicks, his return punts. I really like the idea of if ETN is available, that's one of those guys where it's the best player on the board. Yeah, and you look at a guy, there's two Marshall running backs available, Brandon yeah, Cox. Another guy who doesn't, he doesn't catch the ball. He doesn't just, catch the ball. Neither does Tyler physical, King. He's just a physical running back. And uh, there's the kid from Oklahoma that's like kind of a fullback. And it's like, yeah, he's I, rated high. We already have that in side to Garrett. Right. There's a guy, when we talk tight ends, there's a guy I kind of like that has the girl like 
qualities that I, I think the backers are going to be interested in. Um, we'll, we'll save it. Um, but starts with Tommy. Um, I know exactly. And, yeah. and he might have a Golden Dome at his team <laughs> at, from his college. And tight ends, when we hit on that, you never can have enough tight ends in the NFL. You saw no. the Patriots yeah. and Bill Belichick just double down again with Jonu Smith, who they paid way too much money for. But Hunter Henry, if he can stay healthy... He is a poor man's Tony Gonzalez. Oh yeah, yeah. Hunter Henry is good. It's just it's that big. If he can stay healthy, sort of thing. So, so back to the running backs. Yeah. We were surprised by Aaron Jones. It shifts our thinking here. I'm happy that we have Aaron Jones back. I'm never yep. going to complain about that. Guys, you don't want to see in the NFC North, Chuck. I think it really highlights on the two UNC running backs, Travis Etienne and Najee Harris. Yeah. Najee Harris, I mean, I, I think Najee Harris is really good. I just don't fit, he, think he really fits with what the Packers are doing. I know some of Packer draft Twitter wanted Najee before Aaron Jones and said, like, all right, just double up on size. Just have a couple big bodies in there. And I, I think Najee, you know, can kind of shed some of the Alabama stink. You know, they have a little bit of that, right, with. Trent Richardson, Eddie Lacy, things like that. But Derrick Henry and Damian Harris have performed very well. Right. TJ right. Yeldon somehow still getting paid. In yeah, the that's NFL. true. That's Kenyon true. Drake still somehow oh, getting yeah. paid. He'll be with the Raiders next year, which I don't get. Oh, Josh Jackson, fantasy owners, just sick. Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs. Well, and that's because Mayock and Gruden only watch Clemson and Alabama. That's so they it. have to get guys from right. there. Najee Harris would bum me out, but I don't see who's picking him. Unless it's the Bears or Lions. Now, the Lions aren't because they have a loaded running back room yeah, with DeAndre, DeAndre Swift. They just re- they just signed another dude the other day, and they have Carry-On, De- uh, Carry-on Johnson. So yeah. you can probably mark the Lions off of the Najee no, Harris. Vikings, Vikings wouldn't either. Um, he does have a lot of Matt Forte vibes, which brings me to the Bears. He's an incredible pass catcher. Yeah. I mean, incredible. You saw it in the college football playoff. It felt like when Alabama needed a quick first down and the wide receivers weren't open, which they always were because they have yeah. – five first-round picks over the last few years, they could just put it out in the fly to Najee Harris, and he was either going to run over somebody or get around someone. So he reminds me a lot of Matt Forte, and that would scare me a lot if he ended up in Chicago. Or one of the other big, you know, San Francisco just decided, hey, we need need a guy like that, and he falls to the second round, and San Francisco is like, all right, we'll just add another running back to our mix. Why not? Or the Falcons. You know, maybe yeah. the Falcons are a team I'm going to be high on next year because yeah, oh, the yeah, NFC South yeah. is going to be loaded Falcons up. Falcons definitely buying that over. Um, so no question. Travis Etienne, a very decorated Clemson Tiger, kick return freak. What is he in the NFL? Uh, but see, that's so, – so you like Harris so much more than Etienne. Like, yes. I – I, I like ETN a lot. Like, I think ETN has that pass-catching ability. I think he is a little undersized, but I think he can make it. I think, you know, I think Aaron Jones is going to be a comp that I think people will roll with. I think people will say, all right, we're going to draft ETN because we want our version of Aaron Jones. Like, a team like the Dolphins, I know not in the NFC, but if the, if the Dolphins were interested in a guy like ETN or uh, Aaron Jones, it's like, all right, maybe ETN in the second round give Tua some more options at that running back position, which they have not been able to fill at all at, in Miami. Yeah, and I think you look at – I don't think the Niners are going to pick one because they just find running backs everywhere. Oh, yeah. And the Seahawks draft running backs late. There's not that much competition in the NFC. It's what you were, I think we're circling around to. Yeah, I think I think we're actually okay. Like, I don't think that the NFC is going to make moves because I think about the teams that were rumored, quote-unquote, with Aaron Jones, like Pittsburgh's another team. That might be looking for a running back. And again, we're not, we don't give a fuck. We're playing Pittsburgh this year, but 
We don't care what Pittsburgh does, right? And so it's it's fine. It's not not a huge deal. And yeah, I don't think we're gonna have a lot of things to worry about. The last name I'll mention of people I just would rather not, Kenny Gainwell. We've seen so many productive backs as of late out of Memphis. Yeah, he opted he's out. Not my li- he's not my list. I, I'd like him for the Packers, honestly. He, he'll um, go, you know, anywhere from the second round to day three, potentially in that fourth round. Fast guy. He is a little of an Aaron Jones comp, I would say. Mm-hmm. 5'11", 191, yeah. runs a 4.47. You know, that's what you get for reading <laughs> You get those stats here uh, on Snowtap WI. So I think we're good with running backs, right? Yeah. It unfortunately is not going to be a position that we probably address very early, but I'm happy that Aaron Jones is back home. Right, and then we'll you'll get into your – you'll go from draft Murph to fantasy football Murph, and then you'll find one of the guys to sell us on – um, come April, August. Oh, I'm the king of finding running backs for fantasy football. I mean, <laughs> you have to remember, you need to have like 25 in your roster for the year because, yeah. you know, week five, all of a sudden, Delvin Cook goes down again and you're screwed. So you find out who Alexander Matson is. Yeah, that, I mean, I, but I'm in a dynasty, so I'm in my first dynasty league and I don't think I'm going to draft, I don't know if I'll draft a running back because I don't know if there's really... Got maybe Najee Harris in the right situation or or Etienne, but there's no Saquon Barkley where you're no. trading in a dynasty draft. No, you're, you're loading up for or last year. You know there was a running backs went very high in fantasy football last year. Cam Akers, yeah, you know people thought a lot about him. So we'll see. Yeah. Damian Damian Harris is he a keeper? Some are saying I don't know. When we hear us <laughs> next, we will be talking wide receivers, a position that always fa- fascinates. Packer Nation in the Oh, uh, no one wants to talk. Uh, Packer fans always think we need receivers, even though we have like a, a full class. But we'll talk about them, and I can't wait. Subscribe, rate, review, snow tap, WI. Peace. Later. All right. There you have it. It was a good one. Um, We'll talk wide receivers next week. Obviously, I know everybody is fired up to do wide receivers. We will also do tight ends, which is the first time, and we'll have this happen to us again. Like We're going to tape next week, I think, but we're going to have a situation in tight ends where we didn't know Mercedes Lewis would be coming back. Um, I don't think we accounted for it, which is okay. Like It's really not a big deal. Uh, It's part of this where we're taping ahead of time. We're not taping in the moment. Um, it makes our lives easier. So, But that's all right. And Mercedes Lewis is back with the Green Bay Packers. He signs a two-year deal. Not much guaranteed money. $8 million. Um, Big Dog comes back. Um, Aaron Rodgers guy. And Aaron Rodgers basically has his full team back. Um, let's talk about that in a second. I, I realized my open, I said I want to talk about the tight end position. So I'll talk about the tight end position first. And then I'm, I'm going to talk about uh, kind of circling back to Aaron Rodgers' comments in January. So Mercedes Lewis is back. He is back on this roster. He is playing for the Green Bay Packers yet again. Um, Green Bay and Mercedes have been kind of tied to the hip for the last few years. Um, it was interesting that he had some comments about Mike McCarthy's last year that almost made you think like he wasn't going to come back. Like you were like, wow. Um, the, this was, he was kind of open and honest with Martellus Bennett, who, you know, obviously still persona non grata with Packer fans, arguably one of the worst Packers of the last 10 years, which could be a podcast segment in its own right. But 
Lewis has been a, you know, he's developed into a second career with Green Bay almost. You know, after spending multiple years in Jacksonville, Lewis has sort of become a late-stage Packer, which they there are many of them in different forms. Obviously, Reggie White is the most famous one. I think Charles Woodson, Julius Peppers. I don't know if Mercedes Lewis has the impact of all those guys, but Mercedes Lewis is very important to this locker room and very important to team chemistry, as well as a very good blocker for the Green Bay Packers. And you ask yourself, what does this now mean for the tight end position? Well, you'll hear us talk about it next week about how we're really unsure that Jay Sternberger is going to be on this team. And I wonder if this amplifies it even more because you have now a loaded tight end room. Matt LaFleur loves tight ends more than I think I love a good scoop of peanut butter um, just randomly. Like I'm a huge peanut butter guy and just I will scoop a peanut butter. Like I'll just grab a spoon and a peanut butter and it's all there. Some would say I used to use my hands. That is fake news. I only did that when I was drunk. But anyways, Lewis, I mean, LaFleur loves tight ends. LaFleur, I think, could have like 10 tight ends like the Bears. Like we made fun of the Bears last year having tight ends. And Matt LaFleur probably looked at that and was like, are, like why are they crazy? Like, are, are we sure? Can, can I do this? Because like he just think I think he sees the versatility in them and he sees how many how much twelve personnel they can run and sees what they can do uh, with the, the variety of tight ends they have and so now you really have guys like Lewis Degura if you keep uh, Dominique Daphne which I definitely would you have three really good blocking tight ends and three tight ends that you can rotate in and out for different situations and play special teams for Daphne and Degura. I don't know if Degura will play after he tore his ACL and maybe the Packers will be a little more cautious there. And then you have Robert Tanyan who does a little bit of both, right? He not only is a awesome pass catcher, but he's learned how to block and he's become and that's how he's become tight end one. And then you have Jay Sternberger who just tries to catch balls. And the end, he's had a lot of injury issues. It sounds more and more like Jace is sort of the odd man out in this situation, right? Like, how can you look at this and say Jay Sternberger isn't going to be on? I think he is very much on the bubble to start this year. Now, I realize tight ends sometimes take a long time to develop. Uh, we've there have been some, you know, study. I would say studies, but there have been some, you know, columns written how. Tight ends aren't this surefire thing, and that's part of the reason why I think there is some trepidation drafting Kyle Pitts because you don't really see tight ends in the top 10 work out. And so that is, that's part of the problem, right? And, and it also, though, spans to younger guys where it just takes a while for that position to really come into its own. Now, my concern with Sternberger, and I, I was a big Sternberger guy last year. Like, I thought... Sternberger would have the year that Tanyan had. And so I was surprised when he didn't have it. And now I'm asking myself, like, where is this guy's role? Because it's he's starting to kind of run out of options, right? He's either going to need to learn how to play special teams or he's going to start to learn how to block, one or the other. But going back to Lewis, Aaron Rodgers said at the end of the NFC Championship game, emotionally, like, I don't know if I'm going to be with this team next year. That this is a great team. I love this team. I, I, this is one of the most fun years I've had as a Packer. And I'm so sad that we don't get to, you know, bring these guys back. I think Aaron Rodgers thought that Big Dog would be gone. I, th- I think he thought his guy would be gone. I think he thought Aaron Jones would be gone. I think he thought 
Preston Smith might be on the move. I I think he wondered, you know, if Ricky Wagner would be gone. Ricky Wagner is gone. But Corey Lindsley, another one. Like, the only guy that has really left is Corey Lindsley. That's it. And it's incredible. And if anything, I think it kind of speaks to Aaron Rodgers. Like, it speaks to what they, what almost in a weird way that they're telling Aaron, like, no, man, we're bringing this back. Like, we we know we have a Super Bowl team. We know that it was a bad game by Kevin King, and it was a bad game by a few other people, and that if David Bakhtiari doesn't tear his ACL, we are in the Super Bowl. And so we know that we have a awesome roster. We know we have a roster that can compete. And so we want to run it back. And And why can't we run it back? You know, Tampa Bay is running it back. They won the Super Bowl, so it's like, oh, obviously they're going to run it back. But the Packers were have been fucking twenty six and six in the last two years. Why can't they run it back? And I, I, I think that's a hard thing for Packer fans to get on board with, because we talk about all these free agents and we want and we're like, wow, that guy would be nice. Or I saw a guy comment uh, on my Kevin King thing yesterday. I wrote for SnowTapWI.com. Uh, Shay was like. Why wouldn't you just sign Desmond King? And I, I have to respond to that because I like to respond to the comments. But if he listens, I'd tell Shay this. Like, I think I like Desmond King a lot. I don't really understand why Desmond King gets a bad rap in this league. Um, but there's obviously something that people don't like. And I, I don't know what it is. Um, and he, maybe it's just he doesn't do anything great. And he's just a good player and not a great player. But then you ask yourself, well, what does Kevin King do? You know, they just trust that Kevin King knows the system and that he can play. He can play within those guys with Adrian Amos and Darnell Savage and Jair Alexander. And Kevin King's going to get pushed. And I don't think there's a guarantee that Kevin King has a job right out the gate. And I know we talked a little about that yesterday, so I don't need to repeat myself. But the fact is, is like Green Bay wants this team back, and that is what they're going to do. They are running it back. It is the run it back tour. I'm on board. I'm into it. I think now that we have Big Dog, it's official that we can call it the run it back tour, print the fucking shirts, and I'm all right with it. Moving on to another team who I wouldn't say is running it back, but who's ascending as they have in years past, the Milwaukee Bucks. So Milwaukee Bucks beat the Boston Celtics 121 to 119. If you just saw that score, you didn't know anything else. You'd be like, "Wow, this was a really close game." Bucks another another late one they pulled out. Um, no, <laughs> that was not the case. They were up by 25 points. And this game was looked over. I was I was doing some work uh, for the day job yesterday, and I had the game on. And all, and all of a sudden, I'm like, "Fuck! Do I need to pay attention to this?" Like, and I, and I had I was kind of like half half listening. Um, Doris Burke. I know people like Doris, but fuck, was she in the bag for Boston last night? Like, what what the hell was that? Like, I know she's a Northeast gal. Like, I get it, but can can we at least have a little balance? Just a little. And I know it's like sacrilegious to criticize Doris Burke, but we can criticize Doris Burke. All right, like, fuck it. Why not? So, anyways. Um, but besides that, I look at the Boston Celtics and I look at a team and saying, all right, even though this team is extremely talented and we don't know what they'll do in the trade deadline today, which is today. And Mitch and I will have a deadline reaction show basically surrounding, uh, the bucks and we'll see, we'll see what happens there. 
And yes, this Boston team could look different, but we have seen Danny Ainge before say, all right, we're going to make deals, and then deals do not get done. So if you evaluate the teams that could potentially be the seven seed, oh yeah, by the way, the Bucks are now the two seed after Brooklyn lost to the Utah Jazz last night. So the Bucks are now the number two seed ahead of Brooklyn. That is fantastic. So who could the Bucks play? Right now, if the playoffs started today, they would play the Atlanta Hawks. Right now, and I should mention, it is jumbled. We have, what is that, Hornets, Heat, Knicks, Hawks, Celtics, Pacers. We have six teams vying for five spots, and they're all grouped in together. So the team right now the Bucks would play, if the play, playoffs hold, if the playing game you know goes to form, the Bucks would play the Atlanta Hawks. I love that matchup for the Bucks. I love there would be a lot of hype around Trey Young's first appearance, Trey Young versus Giannis. That would sort of be it would be a headline thing. I think they'd actually get a lot of media attention, even though the Hawks typically are an NBA TV team. Um, and I think the Bucks would kick their ass. Like I, I feel very good about playing the Hawks. Um, I I don't know if I'd rank them. I think I'd rank them ahead of the Celtics. I think that would be the number one team I'd want to play. Oh, the Pacers, actually. Pacers are the number one team. Pacers are a couple games back, but the Pacers are for sure the number one team I'd want to play if I were the Bucs. Because while the Pacers are talented, the Bucs just have a really good matchup against them. I worried when Nick Nurse's protege went to them and I said, oh, wow, it's going to be really challenging, and it hasn't been. The Bucs have steamrolled the Pacers twice this year. I think the Pacers are the team you'd want to play. I think the Hawks will be next. I think after that, probably the Charlotte... Would it put the Charlotte Hornets ahead of the Boston Celtics? I think I would just because Charlotte you know, doesn't have the star power that the Celtics do. And... I know the Charlotte. I know Charlotte's well coached. I know Borrego, uh, you know, coached with Bud, so there is a little bit of that. I, I do worry sometimes about that three point shooting. But if they don't have Lamella Ball, I, I think that Charlotte would be an all right opponent to face. I wouldn't feel great about Charlotte. Actually, you know what? I'm putting Boston over Charlotte. I just am. Like I don't know. Maybe it's Borrego. Maybe it's just the their makeup, their three point shooting that worries me. But I'm gonna go with the Boston Celtics over the Charlotte Hornets, weirdly enough, as a team I'd rather the Bucs play in the playoffs. And I think it's just the Bucs, A, own, own Boston, and B, I agree with what Bill Simmons has said and Ryan Russillo has said, where they're soft. They're a soft team, and I just think the Bucs will thrive against Boston. But I know that a lot of people, if Boston's a seven seed, they're going to be like, well, I don't know, maybe Boston, first-round upset, like, figure it out. I do at some point expect Boston to get hot and be like the four or the five seed. I, I'd be really surprised if Boston was the seven seed or the eight seed. Right now they are the eight and they are two games under 500, which is wild. Um, and then I would put the New York Knicks as that next team. The Knicks, I think the Bucks would be all right against. Obviously they dominated the Knicks a couple weeks ago. I think it's more about like the Tibbs style and having to just get beat up for, I don't know, five games, six games maybe. And I think that would suck. Like I think it'd be cool to like have a playoff game in Madison Square Garden, especially for Giannis. Like I think that'd be an awesome experience. Even though there'd be limited fans, it doesn't matter. Like I think that would be great, right? And it's but the idea of playing a Tibbs defense for, 
you know, two weeks or a week and a half, I think would be exhausting and may affect the Bucks in the second round if that is against the team like Brooklyn or if they get to the one seed. And I think the one seed actually has more value. And maybe that's something we can parlay this and talk to Mitch a little bit about uh, tomorrow because I actually think the one seed is more valuable than it's been in years past. Last team, of course, is the Miami Heat. And it's not because of last year. And let, and let me be clear. It isn't because of last year. It's because the Heat, again, kind of similar to the Knicks, they're just motherfuckers to deal with. They're just, I don't want to go into a knockout, dragout brawl for seven games. And that's the last thing I want to do. So I will pass on playing the Miami Heat in the first round um, because they are not fun to deal with. Um, Bucks, I don't haven't played the Heat since the early part of the season. I, I'm sure they have one more game against Miami somewhere in that condensed schedule. But yes, it, Miami's no fun. Don't don't want any part of Miami. And I'm not fr- I'm not afraid of Miami. I'm not afraid of anyone for this Bucks team. It's more just the idea of having to do it all again with the Heat. All right, that does it for our show. We will be back tomorrow tapping the keg trade deadline. I'm sure we'll talk a little Brewers, talk a little Buck. Uh, well, we'll definitely talk Bucks. We'll definitely talk a little Packers as well. So excited for that one, and we will see you tomorrow. All right, take care, guys. Have a good one. Bye.